Blog Talk Radio. Fan Junkies Radio is brought to you by FanJunkies.net, where sports meets social networking. Welcome to another exciting episode of Fan Junkies Radio. I'm your host, Jonathan Raggis. Alongside me, as always, Mike McShane. Mike, what's going on, pal? How are we doing, Jonathan? I'm doing real good. How are you doing? Uh, a little warm. A little bit. Hot, hot day today, yeah. Got humid over the weekend. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, you know, it's it's feeling a little bit more like summer, I suppose. That's well, thankfully, I'm, I'm glad it was a beautiful weekend because, of course, yesterday was Father's Day. So, a happy belated Father's Day to all you wonderful fathers out there. Mike, happy Father's Day. Thank you very much. I you look like you enjoyed it. Yeah, I had night time. Had uh, had all three of my children here, and uh, we had a little little uh, grilling time, and it was a nice time. Nice time. And I am on my way to a, a future Happy Falls Day. Saturday was my bachelor party, so yeah, there you go. And I had Great. a damn good time. It was a uh, it was a beautiful sunny day, man. We went to the you know to the driving range. We had a lot of uh, buckets of bowls around. We had a good time, man. Oh, good. good. Of course, out for drinks and everything after that. So can't have a bachelor party without drinks, man. Oh, well, no. But you know, you can do you can do without the bucket of balls. But you oh, yeah, you can. But you know, I wanted to do a little something simple. You know, so <laughs> I haven't been to the golf, you know, to the driving range in a long time. It's nice to hit some balls around. So, yeah. all right, Michael. Let's start off. We have a lot of things to talk about today. But before we do that, here's the phone number. It's three four seven two three seven five three seven three. So if you're listening in and you want to call in and ask a question or comment on something we're talking about today. Please do so. We appreciate that. Absolutely. So let's start it off good. Let's start it off simple. Today in sports, Mike. Today in sports, I'm going to go on back to 1960. And on this day, actually, there's quite a few things we could run with if we wanted to. But uh, if we go back to 1960 on this day, Ted Williams hit his 500th home run. Nice. This day. And uh, I was actually playing around. uh, Seconds before we went on the air there, Jonathan, I was trying to say, "Let let me call an audible here on our lineup. All right, if if you don't mind. In light of the fact I have a home run uh, issue there, how about you bring up those comments from Costas right now? All right, you know, let's do that right now. Um, Bob Costas, I'm really not a fan of Bob Costas, as it is, Mike. Mm-hmm. Um, years ago I was, but as he's starting to age, you can see uh, what a bitter fool he is. <laughs> um, yesterday, Kirk Neuenheis uh, hit a walk-off home run. And the Mets celebrated, like any other team does after a walk-off home run. Absolutely. Any other Major League Baseball team will do this after a walk-off home run, especially for a guy who just came back to the minors and is not hitting very well. Right. It was a 4-3 win to and, and a three-run shot, Mike. Three-run walk-off home run. So um, NBC broadcaster uh, Bob Costa, I guess they played some highlights during the U.S. Open of, uh, I guess, like today's, uh, you know, you know, best action in sports or whatever. Right. And Bob Costas, when he saw it, he goes, and I quote, and a team 14 games under 500 celebrates as if it just won the seventh game of the World Series. Another indication of the ongoing decline of Western civilization, end quote. Got a few problems with that, Mike. Oh, I got more than a few. Go ahead. Uh, well, me too, but we got to keep it simple. We only got an hour-long show. <laughs> Bob Costas, you're a fool. Any other team would do this. Where have you been, though, when a football player makes a meaningless tackle 
or gets a touchdown being down three touchdowns already, and they dance for 15 minutes in the end zone. And that's been going on for years. But the Mets celebrating a victory yesterday, a very needed victory, is the decline of Western civilization. You know, Western civilization. Here's my thing, Mike. Bob Costas is a part of the media who is a huge part of the decline of Western civilization. <laughs> Yet the Mets celebrating yesterday was a problem. Bob Costas, you're you're just an asshole. You're a fool. That that. You know, I like you, uh, Jonathan. I. I've always liked Bob Costas. Um, I, I think some of his comments recently have really, I, I yeah, he's he's way over the top, uh, and and his con- <laughs> the decline of what was what, repeat the comment again. He said, and a team fourteen games under five hundred celebrates as if, it, as if it just won the seventh game of the World Series. Another indication of the ongoing decline of Western civilization. The decline of Western. We are going to compare. A, a guy a hit a home run. Yes, a seriously. Yes. Costas, you're out of your, you're out of your mind. Yeah. Plus, it shows you that Costas has absolutely no idea what he's talking about, considering that with a few Mets wins, they can be in third and even in second place. He has no idea what's going on in the NL East, Mike. I really think the guy just enjoys anymore hearing himself talk. Well, that's that's the truth. I mean, that is that is the stupidest. Remark I have ever heard in my life. Oh yeah, and you're absolutely right, Jonathan. Any any team would have done exactly the same thing. For God's sake, the Miami Marlins would have done it. Team, uh, it does. It, you know what? Even if you're a first place team, you're 20 games up. You're still going to celebrate it because a walk off home run is damn exciting. It's a walk off home run, correct? When wow. I, I I read that this morning, my good friend Tanya Mercado, yeah, friend of ours here at the show from CityfieldofDreams.com, right. uh, she put up on Facebook that she's going to talk about it today. Oh, I know. Right? Right. about it. That's why I had to know what his comments were because I saw her her posting this morning as well. Yes, so and I wanted to know what his comments were because I hadn't heard them. And as you point out, Jonathan, you're absolutely right. Those comments must have been made at some point when they were uh, during the U.S. Open uh, uh, coverage. Oh, it yeah, must have been. Yeah, it must have been. And and you know, to me, what what in the world are you doing using the U.S. Open as a platform for some stupid ass editorial? Well. I don't know, Mike, but that's what he said, and we will read Tanya's piece when it comes out, hopefully yep. today tomorrow, and we'll talk about it on Wednesday, because I want to see what kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say outlash, but what kind of opinions are going to come out about what Bob Costa said, because it happened yesterday, you know, a lot's going to start coming out today and tomorrow. I want to see what everybody thinks of this, how you could, you know, compare a sporting event and a walk-off home run to something big as politics and the government running down this country to the decline of our Western civilization. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> it's almost laughable. Um, Moron. I, uh, I, you know, it's uh, and like I said, it's a shame because I like Bob Costas, but... Well, you I, know where Bob Costas' career is going, Mike? I don't know what in the world he's doing anymore. Maybe we get uh, to, I was going to say, I mean, maybe maybe we reach out to Tanya and get her to jump on with us I, a couple I, minutes I, on Wednesday. But I know where Bob Cass's career is going to be going soon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, there you go. Let's talk NBA, Mike. How about it? Because we had a game last night. We did have a game last night, and it was a good game. Why? Because it was one. Yep. One fourteen, one oh four with the Miami Heat. Now take a three to three to two lead over LeBron James. 
and the Miami Heat. We love everybody applauding for that, as always. <laughs> uh, let's look at the stats real quick of last night's game. Yep. On the winning side of the team, Danny Green, 6 of 10 for three points. He has the record. Yep. He has the NBA Finals record for most three-pointers, 24 points, 6 of 10 on three-point shooting. Uh, Manu Ginobili, they started him last night, Mike. 10 assists, 24 rebounds. Wow. Reju- Ginobili was on fire. Tony Parker, we said Tony he Parker the was phenomenal. 26 points uh, from the point guard position last night. Uh, Quarry Leonard, you know, they, they you know they sat uh, Tiago Splitter, so they needed a little size up there. Leonard gets to start 16 points, 8 rebounds. Tim Duncan, uh, of course, you know, center, power forward position there. 17 points, 12 rebounds. Tiago Splitter, you know, I, I don't know what's going on with him. He only played 10 minutes last night. They didn't get much from their bench, but they didn't need to because the starting five was on point, Mike. On point. Let's okay. look at the Miami Heat real quick, though, Mike. 25 points, LeBron James. 25 points, Dwayne Wade. 16 points, Chris Bosh. Nothing from Mike Miller. Seven from Mario Chalmers. But they got 21 points from Ray Allen off the bench, Mike. Right. Okay, now, here, here's the difference in this game. All right? And we go back to it again. Let's go Let's go revisit, what was it, game uh, three or game four? Yes. Uh, take a look at your shooting percentage. 43%. The Heat were shooting from the field, 43%, all right? Again, the defense of San Antonio closed down the lane. They were forced, uh, Miami was forced to be throwing threes, which they did with a little more success than throwing from the field. They were almost 48% in three-point shooting. And again, that was the game plan, and it worked again. Yeah, Spurs were 60% from the field. Exactly. 40.9% from three-point range. And that's where it was. They went a little bit bigger at the guard position, Mike. Correct. Smaller at the forward position. Correct. And it worked. And I'm telling you, you know, th- this is one of those series, Jonathan, that with each game that goes by, it, it, I don't know how everybody else feels about it, but I find myself going back and forth, back and forth. When Miami won game four, I'm sitting there going, oh, no, I think, I think you got to give the momentum over to Miami. But now that San Antonio won last night, game five, and did it not – I mean, look, they only won by ten points. So, I mean, it wasn't overwhelming. No, but a win in the finals is a win. But a win in the way that they did it, playing a strong defensive game. Now, again, I'm swinging it back over again, and I'm going, well, maybe maybe now you got to give the momentum back to San Antonio. Because well, you have to. It, you know, this is what I like about San Antonio, and no other team really does this in the NBA. When they lose, they make adjustments, they make it quick, and they make you adjust to them. Correct. Not you are adjusting to the team you just lost to. And that's what I love about Greg Popovich. To me, the best coach in the NBA going for years now. And the guy's just brilliant. Mm -hmm. He knows what to do, and he knows what players to use in what spots when other players aren't doing good. Mm -hmm. Love Greg Popovich about that. Uh, Tomorrow night is game six. Game six. Right. Yes, that's down in Miami. Correct. Uh, 9 o'clock on ABC. And, and you know, again, uh, going back to, you know, throwing the momentum back over back over to uh, San Antonio. It, you know, obviously, it's it's I, it's not a given, yeah. but all San Antonio's got to do is win one of those two. That's all they have to do. Absolutely. And uh, hopefully uh, by Wednesday, Mike, we're going to be celebrating the San Antonio Spurs NBA championship. Well, I'll tell you what you'd be dealing with, too, at that point, Jonathan. You will be dealing with a lot of fallout if, in fact, it were to go that way. 
you'd be dealing with a lot of fallout on all the question marks that are going to be coming up revolving around this Miami Heat team yeah. and what the future is going to hold for them. I want to see how many wheels fall off the Miami Heat bandwagon, too, at the same time. Well, but, you all know, right. all those conversations are going to start coming up about, well, you know, what what do they do with Wade and, you know, and uh, what, what's the what's the makeup of this team going to be looking like? Are they going to have to tweak it and all that kind of stuff? Oh, yeah, they're absolutely going to have to tweak it. Yep. So if that's the case, uh, come Wednesday, we'll talk about that and see what kind of moves uh, Miami's going to have to make. Yep. Let's keep it with the NBA. We have a few NBA stories here, Mike. Scotty yeah. Pippen comes out defending Derrick Rose, uh, <laughs> saying, he, it, it, you know, the criticism he took from NBA and Bulls fans last year were, were, were undeserving. Um, he said, and I quote, I was kind of surprised people turned on him knowing the difficulty of Derrick's injury. No one can justify what he's going through. No one can make his decision as to when to get back on the basketball court. I thought I thought he took it uh, took a little bit of a hit for it. Mm-hmm. End quote. Uh, there's a lot of people that can justify what he's going through because there's been a lot of players that had ACL injuries, right. worse than what Derrick Rose had. Came back a lot sooner. He was cleared by doctors. Bingo. And you know, I hate to say it. He could have helped the Bulls in the playoffs. Big time. That, that, see, that's what Pippen seems to be uh, conveniently forgetting. Yeah. Uh, it's the point that you just brought up, Jonathan, that he was cleared by Dr. Supply. Yeah. But listen to this now. Start this quote now. As a player that has played this game, I know at the end of the day I've had numerous amount of surgeries and the doctors released me at numerous amount of times to go and play. But a lot of those times didn't mean go and play against the best in the world right now, but to get yourself ready to compete again. Sometimes as a player, you're not there yet. The doctor could tell you the headache is gone, but he does. But he totally wait. He don't totally know that it is gone unless he can get in your head. End quote. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're all supposed to get into Derrick Rose's head. How about Andrew Bynum too? Is he going to defend him? Yes. Well, I mean, you know, Andrew Bynum could go bowling. Yeah. Thank you. You know, listen, Derrick Rose is running around in the practice court for weeks on end, running around playing. You know, and he was contact too. You know. Well, he was telling people he he wouldn't return until he was 110%. Yep. Well, you know, 110%? Listen, we'll take... 110% is next season, Mike. We'll take you at 75, please. Yeah. We'll take you at 75. I mean, a 75% Derrick Rose is better than a 0%. I believe so. So many players play on anything injured. Alex Ovechkin, broken foot, who just won the MVP. You know? Yep. Willis Reed. Comes on out, helps the Knicks win a championship. Right. You know, on a leg, on a bum leg, where he's still bumming on right now. So we've seen it numerous times in football. But, yeah. but does that mean he's weak? Well, uh, my mind does. You know, come on, man, your team is in the playoffs. Team is in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, I guess this is an attempt on uh, you know Scotty being a former. Bull and all, uh, you know, this is going to make the Bulls fans feel better or something. Yeah, it doesn't. I shouldn't. Yeah, P- Pippen says the fans are demanding. They want to win. They want it now. If you have an injury, they want you back the next day. It was a process. Nobody wanted Derrick Rose back the next day. They waited long enough to get Derrick Rose back. In the end, when you're cleared a month and a half, two months before the playoffs, he could have t- taken those two months to train, get ready, and come, in, uh, and come back for the playoffs. Yep. But he didn't. And uh, Tom Thibodeau, Bulls coach, said that uh, Rose has resembled himself in recent workouts. So I guess he didn't resemble himself before that. Boston Celtics, Mike. 
L.A. Clippers talking about a trade. Looks like the trade is dead now, but they were talking about a trade that would bring the Clippers head coach Doc Rivers and aging power forward Kevin Garnett. Uh, most likely would have sent a couple of first-round draft picks over there as well as uh, 50-year center DeAndre Jordan. I got a problem with this, Mike. Go ahead. What is it? Doc Rivers is not going to be with the Celtics this year, coming up, this next season. He's looking back. He's looking to go back into the broadcasting. So I don't know if there really was any traction to these talks. Now, if the Clippers really wanted Doc Rivers, try to go after him at, when he's a free agent. Why do you have to trade a good center plus the future of your team to get a head coach in at the same time taking on a – Almost 40-year-old player that he probably doesn't have much gas left in the tank. Ah, I agree. As we saw this season and last season. Agreed. Stupid, stupid move by the Los Angeles Clippers. On top of another stu- uh, stupid move with Donald Sterling with those comments where he's kind of going to force Chris Paul out of Los Angeles. Um, Doc Rivers has one year left on his contract. Is that correct? $5 million, yeah. I believe, is the, is the final amount. Well, he wants to sit out. He wants to. He wants to. Pardon. Yeah, he does. He he's not going to be back next season. He wants to sit out. Hearing a lot that he's going to go back into broadcasting this year. I think he's just burnt out on Boston. That's my opinion. He's burnt out on Boston. Um, you want to know where I see Doc Rivers going? Hmm. But yeah, where? I'm just you know I'm looking at this over and I'm I'm just thinking. Go ahead. After next season. If he does go into broadcast and he doesn't want to be with the Boston Celtics, I know right away there's three teams that are going to be on his docket to coach. One of them is Atlanta. The other one is the Lakers. Once they get rid of D'Antoni, third one is the Knicks. Hmm. You know, does it? Does he really want to coach the Clippers? I mean, look at the mess the Clippers are in. They're you know, they're nothing good. And I'm sorry, but they're going to lose their best player in Chris Paul. Yep, agreed. So, I don't know. I thought, you know, I, I don't like when they do trades for coaches, Mike. I just don't. I think it's. I I don't either. I, I there's. I don't know. There's something. It doesn't feel right or something. Yeah. And let me tell you now, if they do do this and they end up trading players to Boston that Doc Rivers wants to coach in L.A., why would he want to go to L.A.? Yeah. So I mean, he's going to have the final say in the end if he wants to go there. So, I don't know. It's nuts, Mike. It's, it's a strange one. Nuts. It's but a strange one. It's it's a real strange one. Plus, I don't know why the Clippers want Kevin Garnett. This is like the fourth time we've heard it in the last year that they want Kevin Garnett so bad. I would agree there, too, as well. That doesn't seem to make any sense to me as uh, as well. Let's talk about your Sixers, Mike. Yeah, we're talking about strange stories, huh? we got uh, we got a couple all that revolve around the same guy here. Same guy. Alan Iverson, Mike, one of your uh, guys down here in uh, Philadelphia. Yep. Um, his wife is uh, forcing the courts to get her kids back because supposedly – She's saying that uh, AI has kidnapped their kids and hasn't brought them back? Uh, you, you know, you just don't know what to believe here on this one. You know, is, is this a is this a former wife who's just a wacko? Well, uh, or has AI really gone off the deep end? Supposedly, uh, she agreed to the trip. Yeah. And AI was supposed to return the children to her on May 26th, but they were not returned. She said she tried to set up an exchange for her own children on June 4th at a neutral location at a nearby Target store, but Alan never showed up. 
And so she still hasn't seen the kids since uh, May 26th, huh? She says she's very concerned because AI is an alcoholic who drinks in front of their kids. She now wants the court to force the return of her kids and wants Alan thrown in jail. Huh? She recently asked him uh, asked to have him thrown in jail because he owes $40,000 in back child support. Yeah. Our very own uh, co-host here, Jim Williams, says uh, in the chat room, I'm calling it AI might be on a death watch. So... I don't know, man. That's uh, unfortunately we've seen it before with uh, famous people, Mike. And yikes! I mean, if that if if that goes in that direction, that's that's it's a bizarre it's a bizarre story. You got to wonder, Jonathan. Um, well, you know, what's today's date? Today is June seventeenth, right? So since the twentieth, it's almost it's going to be almost a month. You would think that if there was anything to this, it would have been in the media already, don't you? Who knows? I mean, you know, if it was vice versa, Mike, and um, his ex, uh, his ex-wife or whatever she is now, uh, Tawana Iverson, right? If she took the kids and AI went to the courts, it would have been in the media by May 28th, May 29th. But yeah. because it's not AI going to the court and it's an ex-wife, I think that's why it's taken that little bit of a longer time getting into the media because. You know, it's just it, – unfortunately, Mike, it's the media. It's the decline of our Western civilization. That's what it is. We, <laughs> we need we – need. <laughs> uh, nice segue. Touche. It was only supposed to be a four-day trip, by the way, Mike. Yeah. May 22nd to the 26th, right. Yep. So she believes that the kids are held up in a Sheridan hotel somewhere in Georgia, and he never took the kids on their trip to, uh, I believe, North Carolina it was supposed to be. So. Odd. Let's see, five kids ranging in ages three to sixteen. Yeah, we got a lot of people talking in the room right now. Yep. About AI, but let's get into another AI because the seven uh, the seven hundred level uh, dot com put up a story today saying why the Sixers must name Allen Iverson head coach Mike, and I think it's kind of a little bit of a fake story. Some of the things he threw out. The story about Allen Iverson was legit. It looks like mostly opinion stuff. Underneath that, other Philly sports takes were pretty much a farce. Um, but if this were if this were real, Mike, we're going to shift it over now to Jason Kidd. Yep, getting his job with the Nets. I am I am very against a player retiring and becoming a head coach right away. Yep, yep, yep. Especially now when there's so many people out there who have worked hard for years as an assistant coach, learning the way to coach, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, not getting the shots to become coaches. Brian Shaw, Patrick Ewan, just to name a couple, have been working very hard over the years to become a head coach. And I'm sorry, but they should have gotten the job before Jason Kidd does. I agree. Well, you and I talked about it uh, the other day. I agree with you. Was in Philly, right? Uh, I, I, Alan Iverson. You know, first, first of all, let's let's get this out here because uh, Jim uh, also says in the chat room that uh, uh, 700 level has become. Uh, the, has become the the, the onion. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So uh, it, it's very possible that this is all just a BS uh, piece, uh, just to throw up there. But, for, but here's for, the thing: how many people actually think that Allen Iverson should become that coach? Because you know there are people out there. Well, it's a ludicrous thought. Yeah, it's absolutely ludicrous. Ludicrous speed. I, I mean, I I cannot see this guy being coach material. Period. Yeah. Ever, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, 
Guy doesn't like practice, for God's sake. <laughs> practice? <laughs> Talk about practice? <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Well, who knows? Maybe the players want that so they don't have to practice. You know, I don't know. I don't know who the Sixers are going to go with, and I'm going to be honest with you, Jonathan. I think I I don't understand why they're taking such a long time in making if, a decision. If I were the Philadelphia 76ers, Mike, to me, there's two choices. Go ahead. I'm talking about the Phil Jacksons. You, no. You get them in Philly. It's not going to happen. No. You have to look at either Brian Shore or Lionel Hollins. You have to. There's been talk of Aaron McKee. Uh, nah, nah. Nah. You got to get somebody in there, and you got to build the team around a good coach. I mean, who knows? Aaron McKee could possibly be a very good head coach, but he's been with the Sixers for too long. I think he's comfortable in knowing that he's in that organization, and he knows those players that are there. You know what I mean? Right, right. Got to bring in somebody who's going to work with the GM to try to go after players and bring them in that are going to make the Philadelphia 76ers a winning team, Mike. I like Aaron McKee. I think he could be a very good head coach just right. the Sixers. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I think I, because I wouldn't be is Brian Shaw or Lionel Hollins. I wouldn't be upset if Aaron McKee was named the head coach. It wouldn't bother me. No, because we know Aaron McKee's a good guy, and he's you know he could possibly. I mean, he's he's worked. He's been an assistant coach for how long now? Exactly. So he learned under Doug Collins. He learned under a couple other people. Correct. But I just you know if if he is whatever, that's good. Give him the shot. Let's see what he can do. That's kind of like when you know they hired uh, you know Nate you know Nate McMillan back down there in uh, Seattle. See, I think the key to the Sixers, uh, Jonathan, is going to be the new GM, mm-hmm. and, and to see what kind of an approach he's going to take. Because as we know, he's coming in with a a, a little bit of a, uh, a a different philosophy, and I I think that uh, it would not be a bad move to put McKee in there and let this new general manager kind of uh, marinate a little bit and see what he can start to to work into the uh, into the chemistry of this team. That's I, I, that, I, that's just my philosophy on it. Yeah. Do you like Sam Henke? You think I love him. Cool? I love him. Yep. I love him. I, 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 I'm excited for what uh, for what we might be seeing coming down the line. Yeah. Um, and but I but here's where here's where I'm going with it. Again, I go back to there has been absolutely no talk out of the Sixers whatsoever about coaching candidates. There's no. been no talk about anybody being interviewed. There's been no talk that there's any movement on it, and I don't understand what's taking so long. Maybe they'll uh, make Andrew Bynum the coach. Maybe they'll retire. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's that's room nice. Talking about George Carl coming to the Sixers, that's there never going to happen. George Carl is going to go somewhere where he wants to win. He's not going to go. Talk about the decline of Western civilization. Andrew Bynum? Yeah. You love Andrew Bynum. Oh, yeah. You're absolutely right. Okay, uh, let's see. We got here. Let's let's talk a little bit about this uh, NHL Stanley Cup Finals, Mike. Yeah, damn good one so far. Uh, what was the last game? Was it this Saturday? Saturday, correct. Okay, so it's Saturday. So we got a two-one Bruins win. Correct. Final overtime. So what? The series is now tied one-one. One-one. One-one, and we saw in the first one the Bruins looked like the better team. Yes. They should have won. Yes. Unfortunately, Crawford was a brick wall in net. They just could not get anything past them in the overtimes. And you saw it again in this matchup. The Bruins were the better team, but they they came out on top. Correct. And so I even said it over on the Brad House Sports Facebook page the other day. Yeah. Uh, following this game, that, in my opinion, this series should be two nothing in favor of uh, Boston. Yeah. 
Uh, that that game, of course, too, that game the other night was won again in overtime. Two games that went to overtime. Two games to overtime. I mean, it's. I mean, come on. It's 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 an exciting Stanley Cup Finals. I mean, we're only two games. Absolutely, in. absolutely. I'm looking forward to tonight. Yep. It's a good one tonight. Eight o'clock. NBC Sports Network. Mike, where do you see? Who do you got tonight? Come on. Uh, you got to go with Boston. Two, go with Boston? Right. Yeah, you got to go with Boston. I because, because they've been the better team in both games. Unfortunately, they lost Correct. the first one. So. Correct. Uh, and, and look, they're coming home, and so therefore you got to be thinking that, you know, Boston's going to have the advantage. I'm just quickly looking to see what Bavada's got on this game. Uh, but I, I would absolutely uh, I would absolutely say uh, Boston. Boston is favored. Boston's favored by a puck and a half. Puck and a half. All right. Let's see what happens. Let's uh, stick with NHL here, Mike. A good story came out today from uh, Josh Kosman over at NewYorkPost.com, uh, and uh, it's called Highway to Hell. It's the NHL's New Jersey Devils, again, sliding into a financial mess. Yeah. Reading this, Mike, the Devils are in big trouble. Yeah. Big, yeah. big, big financial trouble. Not only did they borrow money from the NHL last season, and I believe it was uh, around $25 million, and, of course, they – had that whole thing where they're not going to have to pay it back until uh, next summer. Right. It's just, wow. I mean, and, with, you know, even with the money that they borrowed from the National Hockey League, mm-hmm. they need more. Yeah. Yeah, this, more. Is not, this does not bode very well. And you got to wonder, um, when is the NHL actually just going to step in and take it over? I, you know what? It seems Jersey's losing everything. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it's going to suck, Mike, for us, being Flyers and Rangers fans, that there's no Devils for us to beat up on. Ah. Um, but, wow, Jersey's not going to have anybody soon. You know, I, the, the, the Devils situation kind of confounds me a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I now mind you, I don't, I don't get a chance to see all of the Devils games. I don't watch. I mean, I follow my team. I don't, and and, and the Devils I follow peripherally. Uh, Jonathan, in the games that I saw, it wasn't like the arena there is empty. They're pulling crowds of people in. Why is this team not making any money? Is there something wrong somewhere with the way? I, I, you know, we're talking about financial restructuring or what have you. Is there something wrong someplace in the way this whole thing was structured, period? Yeah, I believe so. They were, uh, this season, that I mean, this past, they were, uh, let me see, 24 home games. They were 20th in the league, Mike. Okay. It, uh, all right. Who is, uh, you know, who's, who's 24th? Who's 24th in the league? Yeah. Edmonton. Well, there is talk about Edmonton being in trouble. Yeah, so look, you got 30th is the Islanders, 29th the Phoenix Coyotes, 28th, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Can you know, that you know that that right there with those four, you know, with those three teams, that paints the picture. You know. I mean, you got Florida, you got Dallas, you got Nashville, you got Edmonton, Anaheim, Colorado, Winnipeg, all in that in, in that last 20. So, we've got far too many teams, Jonathan, in the NHL that are that are just not doing well financially. No, they're not. It seems to me what we got to do is we got to constrict. Yeah. You're gonna, we have to. I, I think that's what the NHL has to do. Yeah. You know, we've talked about moving teams to other cities, but right there, you're, we're mentioning right now no less than about what five, six teams mm-hmm. that potentially are financially strapped. Yeah. That's a lot. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. No no question about it. Now, you know, maybe we can move two of those teams. Yeah. Maybe you could move even four of those teams. Well, you know what? You're going to have to. And if you can't move those teams, you're going to have to wonder if those teams are going to be disbanded. They're going to wait a season or two, and then they add expansion teams. Well, that might be the way to go about it as well. I don't know. Uh, I here's here's where I am with it. I think I think thirty teams is too many for the NHL. That that's my personal. Opinion. I listen. I don't think thirty teams are too much for the NHL. But what I do think are that there's teams in areas that shouldn't be there, that could be up in Canada, bringing money into the NHL. I agree with you, and we talked about that. Yes, and I'm sorry, but if you look at it, you know, I, I would, you know, Blue Jackets out of Columbus. As much as I love the Coyotes team, as I do with Phoenix, Coyotes out of Phoenix. Mm-hmm. You know, and I would also look at Panthers out of Florida. And, you know, with the numbers that they've been putting in, you would have to think Dallas is going to be one of those teams that are going to continue to float down in the attendance ratings. Right. And should they have hockey in Dallas? Anymore, you know. Unfortunately, that's the case. But what can you do? You okay, know, um, you and I, you and I have yeah. sat here, and we we could probably name off, as I just pointed out, maybe two, maybe four, if we get lucky. Yeah. Cities up in in Canada that might be able to sustain a hockey team. Yes. But you're we're we're talking right now about more than four teams. Oh, easily. And that's why I'm saying I think that there are too many teams in the in the NHL. Oh, absolutely. I mean, listen, you got to put a team back in Quebec. Agreed. You have to. There's no question about why you can't have. You know what? You got to put one up there in Saskatoon. Yep. You know that's another one. I mean, you got you know you you got them in Ontario. You got Ottawa. You have Toronto. You have Winnipeg now. You have Calgary out in Alberta. You know, there's nothing out in British Columbia. Right. You know, why don't you put a team out there? I mean, you know, put the teams in these areas where people are actually going to go and watch hockey. Um, you know, like Jim said before, with the Devils, who is really on this Devils roster besides Martin Brodeur that's marketable? Mm-hmm. And, but Brodeur's out the door anyway. Right, right, right. You right. know, Kovalchuk is not a marketable player. You know, maybe Patrick Elias, but he's another player out the door. Who are you going to look at? You know, Adam Henrique maybe, but... You know, you gotta you know, you gotta get players in there people are gonna wanna see too at the same time. And uh Jim in the chat room saying bring back the whalers, I would agree. Hartford oh, absolutely. would be we talked about that. I think Hartford would be a city that could sustain and and really, really wants yeah. a hockey team. Um and when you've got that kind of groundswell support, you know that it's gonna continue to be there. And when you consider too how many years it's been that, that team's been gone and that that community is still clamoring and for an it, NHL hockey team. It, you know what? We know Seattle has wanted a hockey team, Mike, right. for quite a few years now. They're right outside of Canada. You, you know what? You're going to put them right there. You're going to see a rivalry go between Seattle and Vancouver. Yep. They're a car right away. Put a team in Seattle. Put a team back in Hartford. That's two teams right there. So right away, if you look at the attendance ratings, to me, that would be Phoenix and Columbus. If teams like, let's say, Florida and New Jersey go, that's another two teams in Canada, Mike. Boom. You got another team back in Quebec. You put a team in Saskatoon. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you that'll solve some problems. Oh, well, there's no doubt about it. Yep. That was and I don't, understand, I don't understand why, you know, if we can sit here and figure this out, 
why somebody in the NHL home offices can't seem to figure it out and make that happen. Yeah. Instead, what we keep doing is we keep extending loans out to teams like the uh, like the Devils. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then you know, with this whole mess with the Phoenix Coyotes, and that's the next thing we're going to talk about, right. saying that the Coyotes could move to Seattle. I think that's the best possible destination. Let them go because they're not doing. I mean, well, even when they're putting playoff caliber teams on the ice, there's nobody showing up, Mike. Right. Right. Now, what's the funny about this uh, revelation, Jonathan? Was the timing, um, because this sounds like it could move very, very quickly. Yeah. Uh, the the article that you sent over was that the uh, Coyotes could move as early as this summer. Yes. Uh, th- that almost has the feel of uh, that almost has the feel of the Baltimore Colts. It does. Hey, just roll up, just roll up the uh, the the the, the uh, rigs and let's empty everything out. And let's move it in the middle of the night. See, what bothers me is I don't know why the NHL is trying so hard. To keep the Phoenix Coyotes in Phoenix, when it seems nobody wants them there, but yet when there was teams and fan bases that were killing when when he was pulling them out of their city, they did that so quick. Right. I just, I'm flabbergasted about it. You know, and then we also, you know, I was reading something a couple of weeks ago about, you know, that, you know, there was an option of even shutting down the Phoenix Coyotes for a season and not letting them play. Well, and uh, how are you going to do that? You're just going to suspend the team for a year? Yeah, that's what they were talking about. Yeah. Well, you'd have to suspend too, wouldn't you? I would think so, but I guess New Jersey would be one of them. <laughs> just, to, just shut them down for a year and say, okay, uh, we we don't want you doing business for a year. Yeah. What the hell does that do? Beats me, Mike. I guess uh, they won't have to continue to float money into the arena, continue to float money into the team and staff and. You still got the the debt. Who's paying the debt off? Well, I don't know. I guess because uh, the longer they go, the more debt they they take on. So, you know, after a while, it's just going to end up in bankruptcy court. Yep. I don't know. It's you just got to take these teams out, Mike. You know what? And you know what? Another team too, Tampa Bay. Yep. I absolutely agree. But I know they were good with attendance this year, but it was a lockout season. But again, Jonathan, we're you're going through, and you're naming far more than four teams, and that's my point. I could see, I could see the NHL relocating maybe four. I don't know if you're going to be able to relocate six and and seven and eight of them. No, let's go back. Last season, Phoenix was the last in attendance. New Jersey, number twenty-four. Mike, 2010-2011, Phoenix was number twenty-nine. New Jersey, number twenty-five. So a lot of teams you saw, you know, let's go back to 09 and 10 while we're doing that. They showed improvement. Yeah, New Jersey was 20, Phoenix was 30, but it was a lockout season. Mm -hmm. So can you take that into account on when you look at these numbers? I think you should because you're only counting 24 home games against 40. Yes, correct. I think I would agree with you. I think it's 40. Would New Jersey have dropped from 20, let's say, down to 22, 23, or 24? Agreed. I think it is somewhat skewed, probably. Yeah. So, I don't know, Mike. Um, I think we have to uh, – we'd have to look out and look at, you know, getting these teams uh, back in Hartford, one in Seattle, and another two in Canada. You know, would that help the NHL? I, I most definitely think it would. If, in fact, Phoenix were to make the move to Seattle this summer, that would indicate that somewhere along the line, there had been some negotiation going on for some period of time with folks in Seattle. Because how do you get out of leases uh, with where the uh, where the Coyotes are currently playing? How do you get in on a lease 
uh, that quickly in Seattle? I think you could because, listen, if if I was the guy who was trying to buy the Sacramento Kings, Chris Hansen, and he wanted to bring the Kings into that arena that they already have out in Seattle, why not do it and start off with buying the Phoenix Coyotes and bringing them in? Wouldn't that – this would all have to go before the Board of Governors. Oh, of course. But the and NHL, I mean, you would have to think their patience is running thin. And this would have to be approved. And, Jonathan, we're in the middle of June. Yes. All right? When it comes right down, think about it. Think about it for a moment. We're, we're only about uh, – what are we? We're less than three months away from training camps. Yes. I, I can't see where the timing of this is going to happen. Well, you know what? You would think that if that were to be the case and the arena's not ready for ice, that they would find some place with ice near Seattle to just wow. bring a team in. So they don't continue to get that debt coming up if they leave them for another season in Phoenix. Right. So I, I, I don't know how they would do it, Mike. I don't know what they would do with it. But for Chris Hansen, one day at a basketball team, whether it's another team that's going to get into a financial mess like the Kings or the NBA is going to want to expand one day, wouldn't bringing in another professional team into Seattle like the Phoenix Coyotes help out? In that I'm, case? Uh, listen, I'm all in favor of it. I don't have a problem with it. Yep. What I'm What I'm questioning here right now, is the timing and the logistics of this to actually occur realistically in the amount of time that we have right now before the new season starts. Yeah. And to indicate that it could happen this summer, that's what I'm saying. You'd have to have, uh, you know, you'd have to have an awful lot of things come together real, real fast here. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But, hey, wouldn't the uh, Seattle Sonics and the NHL team look pretty cool? <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Why Absolutely. not? If they're not going to get a basketball team, might as well bring the Sonics back in one way. I'm on. Listen, I'm all for it. Yeah. All right, Mike. I know you want to talk a little bit about this. Uh, just a few days ago, I guess we could say uh, NASCAR driver Jason Leffler died from uh, blunt force neck injury um, on a dirt track. I know uh, you wanted to talk a little bit about this. We couldn't touch on Friday because we had so many other things to talk about, so I'll let you take the mic and uh, – why don't you let all the listeners know what uh, you have to say about the Jason Leffler incident? Well, you know, at the risk of sounding, uh, I, I suppose, maybe a bit insensitive, uh, here's where I come down on this. Jason Leffler was a terrific, terrific driver running in the uh, NASCAR Nationwide Series. Uh, and, in fact, I believe he's a former champion of that, of that entire series. Um, I think he ran for about uh, 10 years in NASCAR. Now, anybody that follows NASCAR, and uh, particularly the Sprint Cup, or the Nationwide Series, you know that the improvements made in the safety features of the vehicles these guys are driving, just absolutely phenomenal. And yeah. we talked about it on this air raid before. This all uh, actually as a result of the death a number of years ago to uh, Dale Earnhardt. Yeah. Um, a lot. That's where a lot of the safety uh, improvements came, and you know there was a lot of pressure placed on NASCAR. And we have seen some tremendous, tremendous wrecks and guys getting out of cars uh, completely unscathed. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Jason Leffler did not die in an NASCAR car. He died on a dirt track driving these uh, sprint cars. Yes. Where it is well documented that the safety features of those vehicles is not near to the level that what we're talking about in a NASCAR stock car. Well, absolutely, yeah. Tony Stewart is renowned for this sort of thing. He mm -hmm. does this all the time. The guy races. Tony Stewart races everything. There isn't a vehicle out there he hasn't raced. Mm -hmm. And he is frequently seen 
at many minor league sprint uh, racetracks running these things on, uh, say, Friday nights and Saturday nights and that sort of thing. Here's where I come down on it. I, I, I realize that these guys are kind of almost independent, mm-hmm. but I think that if you're running in NASCAR, you need to be getting a clearance from your ownership or whoever you're running for that you're allowed to do these other types of activities. Well, that's what Jim is saying in the chat right now. He goes, the question I have is, is there going to be a point where NASCAR tells its drivers to not participate in Correct. side races like this? I'm kind of, I'm kind of of that opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, this whole concept of moonlighting, that's what they call it, and that's what it is, make no mistake. And I understand that, you know, you got, like I said, Tony Stewart is phenomenal. And I trust Tony Stewart really behind the wheel of anything because that's what this guy does. He drives every single day of his life somewhere. And I'm not saying Leffler wasn't as talented and wasn't as capable as Tony Stewart, but I'm just saying, is it worth the risk to be going out and putting yourself in a position simply to moonlight? Mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's foolish. I think it's foolish. And again, I, you know, I don't mean to sound uh, insensitive. Uh, I think uh, what happened with Jason Leffler was absolutely tragic yeah. and very, very unfortunate. Absolutely. But I also think that in hindsight, it was preventable. Well, yeah, I mean, listen. All these side races, I mean, you have to, I mean, you can't look at these cars and be like, wow, I'm coming out of a NASCAR, you know, a, a, a multi-million dollar industry who has some of the best safety features in their cars now, like you said, since the Dale Earnhardt incident. Right. And then you go and do these side races in these little, uh, you know, sprint cars on these dirt tracks. I mean, how, you know, what kind of safety equipment are they using? Correct. It's definitely not top of the line. Nope. So, and Jim says he asked the question for safe, you know, driver safety, not the aspect of NASCAR looking at each driver as an investment. So. But in some respects, I would I would respond to Jim this way, uh, that the drivers are an investment. Yeah. Well, they are because they are, like he said, that you know they are cash cows for NASCAR. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and and they're cash cows for the owners of the vehicles that they're driving for. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why it's funny because off-season in NASCAR, uh, Jonathan, is not too dissimilar to off-season in any of our other sports. As you start to see drivers jumping around from one team to the next, it's almost like a period of free agency. And you've got owners clamoring to get certain drivers, uh, you know, behind the wheel of their cars. Um, so it's um, – they are kind of an investment. Um, and that's why I'm I'm wondering whether – you're going to start to see, as Jim suggests, <coughs> excuse me, suggests that perhaps maybe we will start to have owners putting clauses in contracts that, you know, hey, listen, you know as well as I do, Jonathan, that if we were playing, if you and I were playing football, there are clauses in there about what we can do, what we can do on the field, what we can do when we're not on the field, you know, uh, certain things that we are not permitted to participate in. Yeah. Why? Why are those? Why are those clauses there? Because, in fact, we become an investment to that team. I don't know. It is a shame what happened to Luffler, um, but like you said, it could have been preventable. You know, I guess he had a bigger career to think about, especially his family. So it's, uh, yep. you know, it's unfortunate he is survived by his five-year-old son, Charlie. Uh, you know, but in the end, our thoughts, our condolences and everything are out to, uh, you know, Jason, of course, and uh, his family, oh, yeah, his friends, and, of course, his five-year-old son, because that's just... You know, you never want to see a kid not be without his parents. So. 
and for all of us uh, uh, motorsports fans out there, uh, none of us ever want to see uh, somebody die behind the wheel of any vehicle. I mean, we all sit there on the edge of our seats on Saturdays and Sundays watching our races. Yeah, some of us sometimes kind of morbidly looking for that big, big wreck. Uh, but none of us want to see any driver uh, yeah. uh, get killed. Absolutely mm. not. Mm. Absolutely. Well, you know what? It's going to have to come down to it. They're going to have to put these clauses. I know uh, just the end of last year, uh, or it was the beginning of last year, when R.A. Dickey wanted to climb, uh, I can't remember what mountain it was, um, they said, well, if, you know, all right, well, we'll let you do it, but if you get hurt, that's, you know, your your contract's done. Yeah, Kilimanjaro. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it was, Count Kilimanjaro. Well, what was it? And Jim will be able to remind me. Who 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 was the eagle? I think it's what's-his-name who we who we let go to Jacksonville, who uh, wanted to go uh, run oh, with Jason the Bulls. Oh, Jason Babin? I think so. I think it was Babin who wanted to go run with the Bulls. Yeah. Well, he, he is. Was, yeah, I know. He, he was threatening last uh, summer. That's what he was Was he doing. actually going to be running from the Bulls or, like, running alongside the Bulls chasing yeah, people? Yeah, you know, you know how they do that down the, the streets of yeah. – uh, Spain, where they got the where they got the bulls all running and you're running with them, yeah. You know, and people get gored and what have you. <laughs> what did so did Babin have horns on and chase people? Or? Uh, but I mean, he he was actually going to do that, and I think the Eagles had to step in and say, uh, ah, 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 ah. no, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, Tanya actually, uh, our good friend Tanya McCarver from CityFieldOfDreams.com just put up her piece, Bob Costas, the disgruntled over Met celebration, please. Head over to CityFieldOfDreams.com, and of there course, CityField, C-I-T-I, FieldOfDreams.com, and uh, check it out. I'm just reading this as you were talking, Mike, and uh, yeah, she uh, writes some good things here, and I have to say, I agree with every single one of her uh, opinions on this. So. Well, she got that up pretty quick, didn't she? That's Tanya, man. She's the best. She she got that up there fast. Good for her. Absolutely. Check it out. Check it out, folks. I'll be checking it out. I'll, I'll throw it up over on the... Um, Fred House Sports Facebook page. Yep, I just shared it on Facebook, so I'll put it over on the Fan Junkies Radio Facebook page as well. So remember that, Fan Junkies Radio on Facebook, you can hit it up over there as well. It's also FanJunkies.net. You can uh, get it up there. put it up over there too. All right, Mike. Well, uh, Friday we spoke about uh, NFL Hall of Famer Lem Barney's comments um, about, you know, how football wouldn't be around in the next 10 to 20 years. Right. Um, He comes out. And he's apologizing about it now, Mike. Right. Uh, he said, the other day at the Sound Mind and Body Camp, I was asked about my thoughts on football and safety. While I made comments I believe to be truthful, it is apparent to me now that the camp was not the form for those comments. These are the same comments I've made for years before Congress, under oath, and at numerous events for retired players, and it's become second nature. I don't want to discourage young men from their love of the game. I just want the game to be safe. What I said were things I feel... Things that happened to me, but obviously it was not the right time or place. I apologize to any of the coaches whom I made uncomfortable at the event. I wish all those involved in our great sport a long, healthy, and safe career, Mike. Len Barney did the right thing. Yeah. Um, And I understand exactly what he's saying. Uh, Yes, we brought it up here on Friday, uh, Friday evening's uh, program. And I I reprieved my comments again uh, on Saturday on Frat House Saturday. Yeah. Uh, but I went into it even a little bit firmer on Saturday, Jonathan, where I outright said that I felt that Len Barney's comments were irresponsible. And that's not to say that he's not telling the truth or that he truly feels that way. Yeah. But I think to be making comments to the extent that he would discourage people from playing the game or to steer them away from it, that is not helping the sport and that is not helping the situation. Mm-mm. And I made that clear the other day, and I, I think you kind of kind of agreed, but maybe you came back a little bit, maybe disagreed a little bit as well. 
I said that I was fifty fifty on it. Yeah. I said that as an alumnus of the game, this guy should be working to try to do something to help the game, not bring it down. Yes. And uh, I think yeah, your your comment back to me was, well, you know, sometimes people are trying to make the game better, but the NFL is not listening. Yeah, which but, uh, we've seen before, unfortunately. Yes, so. yes, I understand that too. But to publicly come out right and to make comments that you're going to discourage people from playing the game, that's not helping this situation. Mm-hmm. What that's doing is it's, it's potentially helping to accelerate its demise. And I thought his comments were irresponsible. I am sure that there are other people, obviously, who got to Len Barney and said the exact same thing to him personally that I said publicly on the air. And that's why he came out with these comments. Yeah. Well, it is what it is. He came out. He apologized. He still feels what he said was, you know, it's it's truthful. It's just that the uh, place that he said him just wasn't appropriate. But what can you do? It's uh, it is what it is, Mike. Look, I agree with Len Barney's comments. I thought he was spot on because we said it ourselves after Bernard Pollard's comments. Mm-hmm. So I I think yes we we we're. I'm not sure if I necessarily agree, if I would say I agree with his comments so much as I accept his comments to be realistic from the standpoint that it gravely disturbs me and concerns me that we might not have football in the future. Yes. That concerns me. That's not to say I agree with his comments. That's just to say that I recognize that that is a very real possibility. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, yes, we have talked about it, and uh, it, it's it's both the concern of uh, both you and I, and I think probably just about everybody out there that's listening. Yeah. Well, it is what it is. Lynn Barney came out. He had to apologize. I'm sure he was forced to. So <laughs> seems everybody's always forced to Mike when they make those kinds of comments. Mm-hmm. You know. But it is what it is. I still think, uh, you know, the NFL uh, most likely isn't going to be around within the next 10 to 20 years. And – Unfortunately, Mike, uh, you know what? We spoke about it after Pollard comments. It's it's going to take a death on the field, you know, for something really, really big to happen. So I'm not looking forward to that. Well, no. Uh, no, I don't, I don't, I don't want to see that, obviously. Yeah, but it's not only going to affect football. It's going to affect a lot of other sports as oh, well. Oh, you're not kidding. You're you not know? kidding. That's the thing. That's Absolutely. the thing. When, you know, a, a, a popular, mostly watched sport and something like that's going to happen, it's going to affect everything from baseball down to, you know, peewee leagues. We so. see it nonetheless. Uh, Jonathan, we do see it happen in high school programs. Yes. We have had deaths on the field in high school programs. Yes. Uh, and in college programs. Mm-hmm. Um, the only reason uh, if it were to happen in the NFL that it would get addressed immediately is because what? It's the NFL? Yeah. Why isn't it being addressed? Why isn't it being addressed already about this sport if it is happening in other lower level leagues? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know why? That's my question. Yeah. Well, you like you like because you know it's the NFL. Yeah. If well, it even in the NFL, then then we're going to address it. No, well, even Jim say you know it took a death in NASCAR for big things to change. Right. You know, I know we had a couple of deaths. Uh, in that in in NASCAR, I don't, it wasn't a big Daytona, but I know we had uh, Tom Baldwin and uh, John Blewett mm-hmm. both died uh, over uh, what was that Thompson International Speedway, right? I think uh, both of them were. Yeah, I don't recall that one. Yeah, back in uh, yeah, I'm just looking it up now. Back in uh, 2004 and 2007, so it's a shame. And two uh, Mexican drivers as well, Mar- Marcelo Nunez and Carlos Pardo. So since 2001, 
uh, Dale Earnhardt's uh, tragic, uh, you know, accident. Uh, there's been uh, four. So shame. It, it really is a shame. You know, it, but you know what? It's you. You could do all the necessary things, Mike, and something could still happen. Well, that's the, but that, 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 you know that's reality. So. Absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, we've seen it. Uh, you know, NASCAR's taking all kinds of precautions. That's not to say that we're not going to see another unfortunate life get taken simply because of a wreck someplace. Yeah. You know, there's always going to be. And you know, Jim makes, as you're pointing out, Jim makes the point. You know, well, it took a desk for NASCAR to address some of their issues, but unlike what we're talking about here with the NFL. NASCAR addressed the issue, made some corrections, made some modifications, and the sport continues to go on. Here, we're talking about the NFL. If there were to be a death there, we would immediately have probably a load of people calling for the elimination of football as we know it. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about making corrections and moving on from there. We're suspecting that the reaction would be one of of, uh, elimination of the game. I don't know, man. You see? Yeah, well, the difference. It's coming. It's coming. We'll, we'll we'll find out more. We shall find out more, Mike. Well, that's it for Monday show, Mike. Went pretty quick here. Yep. A lot of good things talking about here. Let's just plug a few things. As always, head over to FriedHouseSports.net. You can check out our very own Mike McShane, the sidekick, and the crew over there with their Five Minutes at the Frat House YouTube show, as well as some great, great content going up on FradHouseSports.net, and as always, please check out FanJunkies.net, sports social networking at its best. You sign up, it's free. You can talk to other sports fans. You can join the groups of your favorite teams. You can jump into the live chat rooms. You can even listen to Fan Junkies Radio over there. Yep. Because we got it all set up for that now, and it's That's looking good. Cool. And That's we can, cool. and you can read some good, good content from some of our writers like Adam Levin, Vince Stanley, and of course, Sports Blog His Own. John Leary. Yes, Mike, he actually writes over there now. No, I, I was actually over there uh, the other day. I was picking up on uh, a couple of those uh, writers that you're mentioning there. Yep. Uh, who was I reading? I was reading uh, Stanley stuff. Yeah, Vince, yeah Stanley does uh, a real good job. Uh, yep. We'll talk more about our bloggers, possibly at the end of the week, though, so we can uh, throw it out there for people. Okay. So remember, that's fanjunkies.net, 100% free to sign up and use Get Over There, because that's what our radio show is all about. It's a part of Fan Junkies. Mm-hmm. Uh, no show tomorrow. Tuesday's open. Wednesday, we'll be back 12 p.m., and then, of course, Sports Blogger Radio on Thursday, and then we'll be back Friday as well. We might have a very special guest for Friday's show. That's going to be a good one, Mike. Yep, absolutely. We're not going to come back in at 7 o'clock like we did this past Friday. We will be coming in at noon on Friday. Mm -hmm. But over the course of the summer, you will see us going at a later hour on Fridays. Just why not? It's the summer. Every once in a while, yeah. Every once in a while. It's going to be good. So, but that's it for today's show. So thank you for our listeners for tuning in to another Fan Junkies Radio. So for Mike McShane, I'm Jonathan Raggis. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all on Wednesday. Catch you then.